With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the Osmo FanDuel Week 4 Strategy Show. I am Matt Gajewski here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski, and you can file, follow Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this video and all other Osmo content goes live. Let's see how many likes we can rack up today. And of course, this is the FanDuel-specific show. We'll be talking everything from ownership, going more of a position-by-position breakdown. But as always, we like to start with some injuries. There's not too many huge injuries to monitor heading into the week. In fact, there's some players we might be getting back. Kyle, how's it going today? What are you looking at on the injury front heading into week four? Yeah, so on the injury front, I believe we said a John Brown limited practice just logged. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't care too much about the number two receiver on a Josh Allen team if I don't know Josh Allen wasn't a, a freaking god through three weeks. So he's a guy I've been like I stacked last week and the John Brown injury burned me. But if he's healthy, I'm going to go back to it. So that's probably the biggest one I'm looking at. Uh, Leonard Fournette not practicing yet. Not really sure, especially with like veteran players, although he's not a veteran to his own team. But the guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who I don't think is practicing right now, that's almost certainly just maintenance because i don't know he's he's deandre hopkins and he's clearly like if he didn't practice for the rest of the season he could still be the best receiver so maybe a little bit more concerned with leonard fournette uh kareem hunt i mean this is kind of a game script that sets up for kareem hunt so maybe worth monitoring see if he plays that i think it's a groin they said not supposed to be too serious but definitely things to watch out for nothing major and no definitive news yet so it's tough to make any any strident takes yeah what we're really looking for is Will value open up at any position on, you know, FanDuel across DFS platforms. And right now, I don't think so. You mentioned John Brown. That would open up Gabriel Davis at an immense discount, but I'm not yeah. 100% sure he functions as the wide receiver, too. They also have Cole Beasley there. David Montgomery, this is not a new injury. You know, Tariq Cohen tears his ACL. David Montgomery is seemingly locked into a full workload there. DJ Chark is expected to play. Think what you will of that efficient Jacksonville offense or lack thereof. One I am monitoring is this Chris Godwin, Tampa Bay wide receiver room situation. Chris Godwin is not expected to play. We also had Scotty Miller pop up on the injury report. This is important. We know they already run a lot of 12 personnel, but with Scotty Miller and Chris Godwin injured, that could thrust Justin Watson into a full-time role. Now that's not the most exciting game on this slate, but it's at least worth mentioning if you're just trying to look for peer values. And then on the inverse 
side of the spectrum. We have a guy like Michael Thomas seemingly being reinserted back into the New Orleans lineup. Those are two specific situations I want to get your take on before we dive into the position by position breakdown. Yeah. So in terms of the Tampa Bay front, 25 and a half implied team total. I think on a, on a normal, you know, last year we would have said, oh, 25 and a half. That's not bad. It seems like every team at this point is, you know, 25 and a half would just be the standard might even be below average because there's so much scoring in the NFL right now through three weeks. But I would be interested in Justin Watson. I do think they would probably end up running more um, to, like you said, I think 12 personnel, they kind of be like Philadelphia. 12 personnel could just be their base format because Justin Watson also, I believe, has missed some time or at least some practices throughout the year with a shoulder injury, I think. Beyond him, they have Tyler Johnson, who they had to call up. He was a practice squad player. They drafted him, and I think it was a day three guy out of Minnesota. They drafted him day three, didn't expect much from him, and they ended up cutting him. So really, their receiving room is especially thin. So you do have to start, you know, maybe considering some of the tight ends they have. You know, Gronk came back to life last week. O.J. Howard, I, I love O.J. Howard, but uh, not sure if I'm ever going to go back to that well. And uh, was Michael Thomas the other one you wanted my take on? He's really good, I think. Uh, that's yeah, my take on not, so, not so much what it does for Michael Thomas, but, you know, Kamara is getting a lot of steam this week. Just maybe yeah. how it affects the overall offensive outlook of New Orleans. Yeah, so I think you do have to knock the Kamara projection a bit, like, but you're knocking it from him being by far and away, without a doubt, the number one running back in football right now to probably still the number one running back in football right now. Going from... 14 targets to 10 targets still makes him the most used receiver as a running back in the NFL right now, you know, saying Saquon Barkley and saying Christian McCaffrey. So maybe it closes the gap between a guy, you know, him and a guy like Zeke, but I still think he's the number one back, even if he's just getting a measly eight targets a game, which honestly, from what we saw from their receiving room out of Traquan Smith, Manuel Sanders, I wouldn't be targeting those guys either. I'd be targeting Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and that's about it. And it also does fit with the MO of Drew Brees, who at this point is looking to make two to three eight-op throws at most. So I think Alvin Kamara, maybe even more than Michael Thomas, honestly fits his physical limitations at this point. Sure, a small knock, but I still love Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I love him too. I, I think Michael Thomas' insertion to the offense will only make them more efficient overall. A couple other injuries before we move on. Jared Cook. Not sure if he'll play. Chris Carson's actually practicing already, despite what looked like a scary and dirty play. Chris Carson already has retaken the practice field, so I'm not looking at Carlos Hyde any way, shape, or form right now. We know Cam Akers is still unlikely to play. Perhaps Daryl Henderson thrusts himself into even more of a workload after he vastly outperformed Malcolm Brown last week, and it looks like Henry Ruggs will sit again. You know what that means? Tee up Hunter Renfro, man. Going to any of those players potentially? I, I kind of like Hunter Renfro, especially because I've talked about being interested in Josh Allen stacks. I don't think normally I would be in on Hunter Renfro. Like uh, we, we've talked about it before. I believe last year he had some crazy high efficiency numbers, but it basically came because he had two long breakaway runs out of the slot. Maybe, you know, maybe that is his MO is that he can make plays out of the slot, but his profile coming out of college was not of that. I will say that's a lot of volume. It's a decent run back spot. And uh, he's probably not going to be crazy high owned. They're without Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and entering the season, Tyro Williams was a starting receiver on the outside for them. So their top three options outside of Renfro in terms of wide receivers are all out. So I actually think Hunter Renfro is probably most viable specifically <laughs> as a run back to Josh Allen. I don't think he's any like great solo play, but I, I am. I do have some interest in him. Yeah, that's a good take on Hunter Renfro. He surprised me last week with as many targets as he received. But we're going to pivot over to the quarterback position, and I have a kind of a contextual question. I think it parlays well with what we're seeing at quarterback. We have eight games totaled above 50 points. 
naturally, the way the pricing algorithm works on these sites, Vandal specifically, we're going to get some incredible values, some players in phenomenal spots with lower prices and, and therefore elevated ownership. So a couple names on FanDuel specifically, we have Dak Prescott, 8,200, Deshaun Watson, 7,800 for Deshaun Watson. I mean, like, how can we not eat some of this chalk today? Is there one you like specifically in this chalky range? Anyone specifically you're willing to eat the chalk on? Yeah, I would say in terms of who I'm most comfortable eating the chalk with, I do think they're all, you know, they're chalk for a reason. They're quite good plays. I'm looking more at Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, than I am at Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. That's our number three and four. Yeah, it's it's our number three and four owned quarterbacks versus our number one and two. One, we like Russell Wilson has just been the best quarterback in football, maybe by a significant margin in terms of how efficient he's been. His Miami defense is unlikely to put up much resistance. But on the other side, they do have a very solid runback options in Gasecki and in Parker. And Fitzpatrick can absolutely go off in spurts. Sure, he can lose you games, but I don't care. I'm playing, you know, this is tournament talk. I'm looking for first. I do think out of this is weird to say i think out of miami cleveland and minnesota honestly i think the most exciting runback options and the most exciting opposing offense at least in terms of their ceiling it's probably miami cleveland and minnesota just don't want to get into shootouts their mo is going to be trying to play efficient running games which i, I think it's fair to say that they both should have above average running games but that's not what i want in my runback I, I want a crazy quarterback like ryan fitzpatrick as my runback Maybe on the Las Vegas side, I don't exactly have that argument to make, but I do think it is so concentrated to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro that Buffalo, although, you know, maybe it's not quite the exciting shootout, I still think it's fair to look at those Las Vegas runbacks. I, I really think, though, for me, it's just the runbacks that make Seattle probably my favorite stack because Dak is awesome. Deshaun is awesome. Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray are all awesome. But only one of these guys are facing Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I kind of think that's where my lean is going to be based on just trying to build the best stack possible. From a game stacking perspective, that makes a lot of sense. You know, a team like Cleveland, if they get up in the game, we know what they're going to do. They're going to try to run the ball. If they're down in the game, there's a strong chance we've had Baker Mayfield playing poorly for at least Mm -hmm. some stretch of time. That doesn't mean he can't, you know, will the Cleveland Browns back into the game with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. It's certainly possible. But to your point, I, I do think that full game staff might be a little less viable than some others we're seeing on the slate. So I do agree with you. Dak is fantastic chalk. They're running so many plays, so many plays and passing at such a high rate. He's fine. But as far as a full game stack, it might be a little hard there with these quarterbacks. So many of them, so many games above 50 points. I was surprised to see Patrick Mahomes on FanDuel specifically. He's 8,700. He's coming in sub 6% ownership. We have Lamar Jackson. Of course, Lamar Jackson always pushing for the most expensive player on the slate 4.1% ownership. The upside on these two players is absolutely undeniable, and it appears we're getting some leverage on them. Any interest? Yeah, I actually think that's one of the the solid pivot plays on the slate, especially on Vandal specifically, because it is much more viable to pay a little bit more for a quarterback. And I, ironically, you're not actually paying the most. You're paying less than Lamar. You're paying less than Russell. And sure, like the fantasy points have been a bit less than Russell Wilson, but this could be the highest scoring game we've seen Patrick Mahomes play in all year versus a New England offense that went from, you know, in the past few years being efficient, but just kind of wanted to run the ball, play good defense and make it to the playoffs if the first round by. Now, man, I, with Cam Newton in the lineup, I think they're playing a more fun and aggressive style of football. Still a ton of running, but when you're up versus Patrick Mahomes, that might not be 
on the table. So we talk about runback options. I like the runback options. And because it's FanDuel, you have a little bit more leeway with your pricing. You're okay paying up for a, a Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey stack and maybe running it back with the Sammy Watkins. That still leaves you a lot of salary on the table. And we do have enough good value running backs that you're still pretty much free to do whatever you want. You can still pick a game that has a high total to be your secondary stack. So I think because of the pricing on FanDuel, a little bit more generous with the salary they give you, stacking Patrick Mahomes at sub 6% ownership is an incredibly viable pivot off of some of the more chalky plays. I like that for sure. We, we had a really interesting question in the chat regarding the, the Minnesota Houston stack specifically, and it regards the run back. So was, I'm guessing in this hypothetical situation, he asked about running Dalvin cook on the run back. So uh, presumably you have Deshaun Watson, maybe a willful or something like that. It's about the viability of Dalvin cook. On this particular slate, Dalvin Cook is a little bit cost prohibitive at 8,700 on on FanDuel specifically. He's priced in the same tier as Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara, who I certainly prefer one for one over Dalvin Cook. But if that is your game stack, I think I'm okay with it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think you necessarily have to shy away from playing a running back as the opposing stack because the you know the scenario would set up that a team that gets an advantage is able to to run the ball more, but I generally shy away from that because if the game just does shoot out back, forth, back, forth, that typically comes as, as a passing stack. So unless the running back has extreme pass catching upside, I'm really mostly looking at now we don't even have some of these guys, but I would say like your Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, uh, like there's not a ton of guys that I feel they can get there solely through receiving. And that is kind of the, the MO I'm looking at when I am stacking. So really, I'm not too keen on the, the running back run back, although I don't think uh, it is something I would blanket rule out from any of my lineups. Yeah, I agree. I think Cook is, he does have enough of a pass game usage where you can potentially look to him. But okay, so we talked about a lot of the quarterbacks in these phenomenal games. They're all fairly expensive though. You know, if you're getting leverage with Mahomes, you're getting, you're getting leverage with Lamar you're paying over 8.5K on FanDuel for these guys. If you're taking a salary-saving approach, but you're still looking to gain leverage, is there a quarterback you like on this slate? Yeah, so I talked about the game. I talked about liking Russell Wilson. I talked about it because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick on the other side is such a great play. I mean, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have been awesome on offense, but you cannot say the same about their defense. They have given up the most passing yards. I think it's over 1,200. might even be like 1,300. Two opposing offenses. And sure, they've run the gamut of good quarterback play. But I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is incapable of good quarterback play. Sure, it'll be more spotty. Sometimes he will absolutely kill you with five sacks and two interceptions. But his upside is much greater than a lot of the opposing quarterbacks. Unfortunately, his upside is probably greater than the way Cleveland wants to use Baker Mayfield. His upside is better than even a game that I like in the runback option of Derek Carr. He just has a certain amount of erratic play that can lead to an awesome, awesome game environment. So I think on the other side of Russell Wilson, I'm actually going to have a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick stacks. And I believe he's outside of our top 10. I'm eyeballing it. Looks like he's in that uh, 10 to 15 range in terms of ownership projection. And really, once you get below 5%, it gets quite flat. So outside of the top plays, he is both cheap at 7,100. He has a ton of upside because he's Ryan freaking Fitzmagic. And he's in the, one of the best, if not the best game environment of the week. So I think just the run back option there is, is great for me. And I could see myself going with the Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker, and Gusecki and run it back with one or even two of the very obvious options in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yeah, I like that call a lot. I've known, you've been on the Fitzpatrick train all week. So you've actually talked me into that position a little bit. 
I, I was not with you at first, but I mean, <laughs> anytime you get a, a quarterback like Fitzpatrick, I think you have to consider it. One I like specifically is a, a charger stack and you're getting this below 1% ownership. And in particular, Justin Herbert, he's 6,700 on FanDuel, which is just egregiously cheap in my opinion. If we look at that Tampa Bay defense, I think people are overrating them a little bit. They allowed 34 points to the Saints, 17 to Teddy Bridgewater in a game where Christian McCaffrey got hurt. And then they absolutely teed off against Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon last week for the Broncos. So I question how good this Tampa Bay secondary is, not to mention their best corner, Sean Bunting, is on the injury report last week. He left last week's game, something to monitor. On the Chargers side, looking for positives for Herbert, they're running the third most plays in football, passing over 50% of the time. Now that has trended in the direction of more pass attempts with Herbert's insertion into the offense. Not to mention Herbert has been surprisingly spry. 300 yards in two games, each of them. I mean, it's not the best matchup. The total's not fantastic, but you're talking about a sub 1% play. I'm certainly interested in Herbert there. What about fades? Who are you looking to fade on this slate at the QB position? Yeah, in terms of fades, I'm not sure. I guess because I'm going to, you know, I'm expecting to have a lot of Russell Wilson and this game environment. I'm not sure how much I'm going to be interested in Dak Prescott necessarily. And I think he is great as a player. And I think the game environment is still not bad. I don't love Cleveland as the runback. I just think I'd much rather get exposure to this game with a, a single, like a stack of the non-quarterbacks, just a Michael Gallup versus Odell Beckham or something. Because I'm going to be so much on the other games, I think this could be a slightly slowed down spot because of how Cleveland wants to play. And also, I'm not even sure if Cleveland can keep up. So this is another scenario where I think I'd rather take single plays, even take the running backs, especially you could run Kareem Hunt, if you know, assuming he plays, but it seems more likely than not. If they're losing by a lot, you could be running Kareem Hunt back with Amari Cooper. I just think that I like the shootout potential of a few of the games even more. Honestly, I even like the shootout potential of, of Houston versus Minnesota a bit more because I'm just not in love with Cleveland right now. Just one of the more teams that wants to run a run-heavy approach, and that's not great for stacking. So this week, I love him. But Dak Prescott, I'm probably going to come in under the field because you just can't play everyone. Outside of that, you know, Lamar Jackson, 9,600. I love Lamar Jackson, but that's an expensive price for a guy who's going to be playing against a team that stands no chance. Washington is absolutely not going to put up a fight in this game. I know they won't be able to stop Lamar Jackson, but I do think I just need to stick to the fact that I want to play in games where both teams are going back and forth. I don't know what the runback option is on Washington. With Dwayne Haskins under center, I can't feel confident about playing Terry McLaurin as the runback to a Jackson stack. And although you don't need the runback, when I'm building stacks, I'm not doing it because I think it gives me the most possible points in the slate. I'm sure if you look back at every other slate and you optimize by total points, you would not always get like quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, opposing wide receiver. It makes it so that I can more easily achieve a 99th percentile outcome because you don't have to pick one out of every 70 to 80 of the wide receivers at all of your wide receiver spots. So when I know that I not know, but when I don't feel confident that even if my Lamar Jackson stack hits, that I've made another good call by a run back, it makes me off the game in a pretty hard sense. So I love Jackson, but that price is still high. There's no run backs I feel good in and kind of the same with Prescott to a lesser extent. You're talking to a guy who stacked Dwayne Haskins in week two in that Arizona matchup. So you do not have to convince me about stacks on the Cleveland side. Let, with that, let's move on. I don't really have anything to add. I'm with you on the same fades. At the running back position, we are seeing expensive chalk again. FanDuel, not exactly the most cost prohibitive slate. So if you want, you can certainly jam in some studs. You can, at some point, you have to decide, you know, you can't just play Kamara, Zeke, Lamar. 
but you can get one to two of these guys comfortably and feel good about your lineup. Now, at the running back position, we have Kamara, 8,800 on FanDuel, over 27% ownership. We have Zeke Elliott, 9K flat, one of the most expensive players on the slate. He's pushing 25% ownership. And I think the avenue that is opening this up is David Johnson. He is 6,700, 22% ownership for DJ. Are these three running backs going to be chalky and not only chalky, but duped in the same lineup is kind of my question. You know, sometimes you have these low price running backs that open the avenue to get the expensive players. Is that what we're going to see in week four? Yeah, I do think we'll see a lot of David Johnson paired with one of Alvin Kamara or Ezekiel, potentially all three, but that does kind of prohibit what you can do with quarterbacks. So I think we're going to see a lot of David Johnson used as the way to, you know, pave the field to get Zeke or Kamara. I would say it's it's not super likely that both appear in a ton of lineups together, but I think maybe just one way to pivot is just go Ezekiel Elliott and any other cheap running back. Mike Davis, I think, is a very solid play this week. I looked at James Conner and thought he was a good play for a second until I remember that we won't get James Conner. When he's <laughs> when he's healthy, I like James Conner a lot. He won't be playing this week. You know, Joe Mixon at 6,800, 100 more than David Johnson. I don't love Joe Mixon, but first Jacksonville, I think any running back is viable. For, you know, 800 more, Jonathan Taylor coming in fairly low owned, maybe his team actually doesn't score two touchdowns and get the privilege of benching their star running back in the second half. So I think if I'm playing any of Zeke or Kamara, it's never going to be with David Johnson. Cause I do think one, you just eat a lot of chalk there and you eat a lot of chalk that is probably correlated to each other because they, you know, it helps rostering them. It helps rostering Ezekiel if you don't have to pay a ton for David Johnson. So I think generally I'm just going to come under the field on David Johnson and that doesn't prohibit me. And it probably allows me to be more confident in my Zeke and Kamara plays, both of whom I love this week. For sure. The one way I like to get different with FanDuel is, you know, we do see sometimes it's a little looser pricing system, which is why we have, you know, compared to DraftKings, we'll have guys like Kenyon Drake in the top five ownership over here. I mean, outside of Kamara Zeke, we're still seeing heavy ownership on Dalvin. We're still seeing heavy ownership on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think just pivoting down and playing some guys like Joe Mixon, playing some guys like Kenyon Drake can offer you not only leverage, but these are guys in fantastic roles. Joe Mixon specifically, 6,800. He's averaging 19.7 opportunities per game. That would be carries plus targets. He's up. People like to knock his pass game role, but he's running a route on 54% of Joe Burrow dropbacks. Kyle, how many times is Joe Burrow dropping back in a game? I believe the number is 47 on the, well, actually it's just 47 pass attempts because he got sacked a ton last week. So number of dropbacks has got to be north of 50. Right. So people like to knock his pass game involvement. I think that's a little bit overblown. You want to talk about a guy like Kenyon Drake. He's in a really similar situation with the Arizona team that's running a ton of plays. Kenyon Drake specifically, uh, it's funny, he's actually tied with Joe Mixon for the ninth most opportunities, carries plus targets in the NFL. People like to talk about Chase Edmonds siphoning off pass work, and I keep pointing to this routes run stat. You know, at a certain point, I have to, to let it go. But to this point, Kenyon Drake has been out-targeted 11 to 5. However, he's running a route on 48% of Kyler Murray dropbacks compared to 35% for Chase Edmonds. Kenyon Drake averaged over four targets per game last year. I think over a longer sample than three games, that normalizes a bit, and we do see Kenyon Drake's pass game roll rise. Last year, if you just the, – the Arizona Cardinals had a number of running back injuries. If you combined all their targets into one runner, that specific runner was second in the NFL in targets behind just Christian McCaffrey. I am very interested in Drake this week as a potential leverage player. You're not getting a ton of leverage. He's still right around 15%, but I mean, coming off some of the 30% guys like Kamara and Zeke, I, I think it could make some sense. 
What, as, as long as we're on the leverage topic, let's stick here a little bit. Outside of Mixon and Drake, is there anyone else you're looking at potentially? You can add in something on Drake and Mixon too if I miss anything. No, I mean, I think you nailed it, especially both of these teams. Sure, like Joe Mixon isn't the isn't getting the receiving game work that Mike Davis is, but the pie there is incredibly large, as you said. They're attempting 47 passes per game. That is not even dropbacks, which some of them, like last week, eight of them converted into sacks. So the dropbacks per game is incredible. You don't need to be Christian McCaffrey market share numbers if your team is going to pass or try and pass the ball. 50 times in a game having a solid market share number with an incredible market to go to is awesome for Joe Mixon. I really like Jonathan Taylor at 7,500. He's only gotten in the two weeks that we've seen uh, Marlon Mack not be on the field because of the Achilles tear. He's only gotten 56% of the team's uh, running back carries, but that's because they killed the teams they've been playing in the first half of those games. He's seen over 75% of the carries. Jordan Wilkins only comes in to back cleanup. He's not actually a part of a rotational committee back. He's just a guy who they get in when the games are over. They've happened to play some games that were over by halftime. I don't expect that to happen very often in the NFL, and I don't expect that to happen with a 3-0 Chicago team. Maybe a bit fraudulent for 3-0, but they're better than the freaking Jets. I, I'm confident in saying that. So for me, I think Jonathan Taylor in a spot where his team finally has to compete over the course of a game but still is projected to be winning. I love Jonathan Taylor in this spot. Are they projected to be winning? Actually, they're in there. They might be uh Yeah, they're a favorite under the Bears. Okay, that's what I thought. They're favorite Bears. Bears. Fraudulent three note theme. Dude, that's my Bears team you're talking about. I have some hot takes, but we'll get to those. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. All right. Not to, to bury the lead there, but I, I like that call. I love Jonathan Taylor a ton. I, like you said, I still don't think we've truly seen his upside. There's a couple exploitable situations with some of these teams just based on, I think, opponents overall. For the Colts in particular, they haven't played anyone good. And normally – you think that overblows some of these players with the Colts. I actually think it's the opposite. Like you mentioned, we saw Jordan Wilkins in there, elevated rush attempts for him. We're not typically going to see that another player, you know, speaking of just situations, I think that might be exploitable at the running back position. Austin Eckler is coming in with no ownership again. And people like to talk about the timeshare. I get it. It's not ideal. You would love it if Austin Eckler played hundred percent of the snaps, but it's just not happening. And part of the reason is because Los Angeles is running the third most plays in the NFL. It's not conceivable for Austin Eckler to actually be on the field for every single one of those plays. Tampa Bay is one of these teams that's had an extremely easy schedule. We talked about it at the beginning of the show, but specifically Eckler, he's still averaging the seventh most opportunities per game, ceding a lot of work to Joshua Kelly. Now it's, this is pretty significant. Joshua Kelly has had touch counts. This is, so I'm going to go targets plus carries of 12, 25, and 10. That's what Joshua Kelly's received so far. Eckler, despite that, is still seventh in the NFL in opportunities. And he's the pass game back. If they're trailing, which right now GameScript projects to do so, Eckler's going to have a phenomenal role in the pass game. And on FanDuel specifically, Austin Eckler is 6,900. He is 200 more dollars than David Johnson. You don't, you don't have to tell me to play that pivot twice. I will be doing that all day. That is an easy pivot for me. Mm -hmm. So with that said, we've talked about a ton of runners we like a lot. Is there anyone you're fading at the running back position? I mean, we talked about it already, so I won't hit on it too hard. David Johnson, just a guy that uh, his ownership is going to be high, not quite as high as his own DraftKings, but I just don't, I think the opportunity cost is so high or so equal. The opportunity cost, there's really no difference, no reason you should like him so much more than Austin Eckler. You can't take the 15 to 20% ownership discount. So he's a guy I'll be off of. 
I prefer, I think the ownership is more correct on Kamara and Elliott than it is on Dalvin Cook. I'd probably rather be playing those guys. I like the Kamara receiving game more. I like the Izuka Elliott touchdown upside more on a better offense in Dallas. So I think because I'm going to those guys, I just won't have much, if any, of Dalvin Cook. Josh Jacobs, I know we've seen him play well as a receiver. I'm not sure I'm looking to target a running back facing the Bills defense and a running back that is going to be an underdog when his team has a target monster like Darren Waller. Sure, he could pick up a handful of targets. He did in week one, but uh, I'm not just awfully excited about paying 800 less than Alvin Kamara for a player who is, I would say, far less of, of a fantasy player. Maybe a real player, you could say Josh Jacobs is quite a good runner, but far less of a fantasy player. I get there's a slight ownership discount. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I'm probably still going to be coming in under the field on Josh Jacobs. With Jacobs, you mentioned it. It's a price thing. 8K yeah. flat for a guy with a minimal role in the pass game. And I, you're right. He had the targets. But look to the underlying data. He just ran a route on 44% of Derek Carr's dropbacks. Jalen Richard is not playing a lot, but when he is playing, he's playing a specific role. And that role significantly hurts Josh Jacobs' overall upside. It's always going to be hard to fade a guy that's second in the NFL in touches per game. I get that. Matchup's not good against the Bills. They're getting healthier. Tremaine Edmonds, their linebackers are coming back. And they're projected to trail. That definitely does not set up well for Josh Jacobs here. So specifically on FanDuel, DraftKings, I think there's more of a conversation. He's cheaper there. FanDuel specifically at 8K, Josh Jacobs is not my favorite play overall. But before we go any further, guys, it's Thursday. You know what that means? We have football tonight. And tonight we have an absolutely amazing, outstanding game that I'm looking forward to between the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos. If you are not as excited as me, but you still want to get some action on the game, maybe play a little DFS, you should check out our Express Pass editions at Osmo.com. We've added some great new tools for our NFL Express Pass users. For only $3.95, you can purchase an NFL Weekly Express Pass, which now includes everything you need for NFL Showdown and single game contest formats. You can now access Osmo Showdown single game player projections, ownership projections, and top plays tool when you purchase this patch, in addition to player rankings, lineup builder lights, ownership rankings, and the top stacks express tool. It's our best offering ever for an express pass. So head over to osmo.com backslash join today to purchase your 395 NFL express pass. And man, what better way to make this game a little more exciting and play a little DFS, head over to osmo.com, check out that ownership. And I won't lie to you, going into this morning's show with Luffy, I had no idea who is going to be owned for this game tonight there were some funny comments in the chat people were saying i don't know half the players on these rosters that we have to play tonight so i don't know this is a a phenomenal resource for tonight's game specifically heading over to the wide receiver position kyle chalk is a little bit flatter here right now we don't have anyone above 20 percent projected ownership First things first, before we dive into some player-specific takes, I just want to get your take on the overall outlook of the wide receiver position. When we're seeing flatter ownership here, how is this influencing your builds? Are are there any players you're avoiding just specifically because of the ownership numbers still? Tell me a little bit about it. 
Yeah, so this season has been quite interesting in that the wide receiver chalk has generally been fairly consistent in the rate that it hits, and running back chalk not nearly as much, whereas typically in years past, it's so easy to project running back volume, and once you have that volume, you have the skeleton key. The the error bands in the grander scheme of things are quite tight when you can know a guy is going to get 20 carries and three targets. A wide receiver, a great wide receiver who gets nine targets, could still drop two, have two overthrown, and just have a five for 40 game. That has not been the case this season. And I think, one, that is certainly a small sample. I don't want to say trap. It's probably extrapolated a bit from a small sample. It's not go carried away saying you can always play all of the wide receiver chalk. It's always going to hit. But I do think there is some credence to the fact that the NFL passing game is up year over year. And that's mostly been concentrated on a few very predictable spots. Russell Wilson going berserk. Dak Prescott, insane. Josh Allen great play every week even matt ryan consistently throwing a ton of passes it's been quite predictable to figure out where these guys are going to go off if you've been stacking dallas week in week out you've been right week in and week out whereas running backs year over year production is also up but it's largely being split between different committee backs i mean it has to be in the sense of it's not going to christian mccaffrey anymore it's not going to like derrick henry's had some eh games it's not going to saquon barkley Miles Sanders missed the first week. So it's largely been being split between guys like Rex Burkhead, Jeff Wilson, Mike Davis. So I think that has led me to being a little more comfortable. I'm still not trying to eat a ton of chalk, but I'm a little more comfortable eating some chalk at wide receiver because as far as we can tell, Seattle week in and week out is going to smash. One of the Cowboys receivers is probably going to have a great week every week. So I'm a little more comfortable playing this chalk and trying to get contrarian by maybe running a second stack in my rosters, which I don't think a ton of people do. I think the most common thing right now is still seeing a quarterback with the receiver, maybe second most common quarterback and a second receiver. If you get like one plus two in a run back and then your, your lineup has another stack, I think that's contrarian enough to where I feel comfortable eating a little bit of chalk for me this week. It's probably going to be playing a lot of Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker, and Gusecki, and then saying, I think that's different enough to allow me to eat the Tyler Lockett chalk or the DK Metcalf chalk, both of whom are two of the only three receivers we have projected over 15% ownership. And that ownership isn't crazy. Like you said, it's not over 20%. So it's not like I'm just going straight in line with the field. I'm going in line with less than, you know, less than a fifth of the field. Yeah, for sure. There's plenty of ways to get unique in your lineup and still play some of these guys. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that point is a little overblown. We don't want to play one percenters just for the sake of playing a one percenter. Now, in this week specifically, week four on FanDuel, it's the usual suspects. Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. What you said about stacks and eating this ownership, I'm fine with as well. But again, the context of this slate, eight games totaled over 50 points. In the previous weeks, last week specifically, if we want to use that as as an example while it's fresh in our memory, that Seattle game was kind of on an island as the very clear standout stacking spot. This is the game you want to target based on totals heading into the week. It shot out. You needed it to win. This week, I'm not so sure. I love Lockett. I love Metcalf. Those are two receivers that have an incredibly condensed target share, a Russell Wilson target share, one of the most efficient throwers in the NFL. So I'm certainly going to have some of them. But as we look down the the ownership ladder a little bit, there's guys like Diggs, only 13%, DJ Moore, only 13%, and they're in our top five ownership. What do you think about maybe just moving down to those guys and still what appear to be phenomenal game environments? Yeah, so as of as of yesterday, our ownership protection for DJ Moore on FanDuel or on DraftKings where he was super cheap is like, I don't know, it's not too far off from like half the field playing him. I think maybe <laughs> in terms of in terms of a, a like macro strategy because dj moore is coming in 
at less than 15% ownership, but I still think 6,800 for him on FanDuel is a very palatable price. And although we've seen Arizona kind of limit their opposing play volume, DJ Moore's market share numbers, a top 15 target share, a top five air yard share. I'm much comfortable like playing him versus, I don't know, last week it would have been like Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay coming back off the injury. I can feel fairly confident saying that if Carolina does anything through the air, DJ Moore is probably going to get there. Do I think Curtis Samuel gets there if, you know, if Carolina has a good but not great game? I don't know. Probably not. But DJ Moore's status as like a number one alpha receiver makes me very comfortable playing him as a, as a runback option potentially with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, who's just been a fiend to start the year. And it does hedge me out a little bit of my fade on DraftKings. Looking down a little lower, one guy I'm kind of surprised when we've talked about this game, how maybe going under the radar a bit, Tampa Bay versus the Chargers. Mike Evans sans Chris Godwin, and I don't think we're going to see a crazy ownership spike once Chris Godwin is ruled out because he's already listed as doubtful on both. On like he has, you know, the big red D on both sites, I believe. I know on DraftKings he does. So I don't think we're going to see anything crazy like a breaking news. Chris Godwin is out. Everyone knows Chris Godwin's going to be out, or at least most people know Chris Godwin's going to be out. So maybe that news bumps his, you know, his ownership up to ten or eleven percent. But Mike Evans as the number one alpha receiver for this offense and potentially the number one and two with no Scotty Miller really has me excited. We saw last week, even when he doesn't get there, he gets there because he scores twice on two targets. I'm really excited about Mike Evans this week. I think in terms of guys below 10% ownership, he is one of the best plays and he does act in the exact same price range as Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, and DK Metcalf within 500 of all of those guys. So in terms of pivots, he's probably one of the best high price pivots you can make on this slate. I love Mike Evans. You don't have to, you don't have to sell me any more than that. I mean, if we want to double down on Mike Evans a little bit, this Tampa Bay team, they're passing 61% of the time. That's 10th. And then if you look how they're passing, People didn't expect this out of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's old, but man, he sure is attacking downfield a lot right now. He's the fifth most passes of 20 plus yards among all quarterbacks. And when you adjust that a little bit and you look at just quarterbacks that have attempted at least 10 of those passes, he's the best adjusted completion percentages of all quarterbacks among that stat. Obviously that blends well with Mike Evans skills that he is a downfield attacking receiver and you want to talk matchups. They just put Chris Harris on injured reserve. So this is a Chargers defense, not only losing Chris Harris, Melvin Ingram's also on injured reserve among another, among a, a number of players. So I'm certainly interested in that Mike Evans stack for sure. If we want to talk like other games that project for some ownership or where we might be able to get leverage within the game, I'm still pretty interested in stacking Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. We haven't talked much about this stack, just a little bit at the beginning. It does look like John Brown's going to play. I honestly don't think that matters a ton. Stefan Diggs still has a 25% target share. In an offense where the Bills are running a ton of plays, they're actually passing a lot. They're ninth in pass attempts. And Josh Allen's been super efficient. He ranks second in yards per attempt right now with a 71% completion percentage. Las Vegas, it looks like they're going to be without their first-round corner, Damon Arnett. You tell me who's going to cover Stefan Diggs, but I don't think it's very likely that Las Vegas is able to keep this guy under control. So if we're getting semi-low ownership here on, on Stefan Diggs, I'll certainly be taking a stab. But we're still talking about receivers that are drawing some ownership. If we're getting off the board even more, looking for some low, low, low own leverage, where are you looking? So there, there are a few plays I think you can definitely look at when we talk about the same game, Hunter Renfro under 5%. A few plays okay. that I think I think you can go to at even lower. One, I do think, uh, man, Marquise Brown is coming up at less than 1% ownership. I'm not stacking Baltimore, but I do think versus Washington, Marquise Brown is a guy who we've seen go off. Like he's 
like I talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick where sure Ryan Fitzpatrick can have a bad game, but he can also have maybe a ceiling that very few other players possess Marquise Brown. Anytime he goes under sub 1% flashing lights go off in my head that I want to be over the field on him. And it doesn't take much to be over the field on his 0.6% ownership. I think he's a good way also to get exposure to Lamar Jackson without actually having to pay that price and having to commit yourself to a game that while I think features points from one side really doesn't have a great chance to go crazy on the other side. So he's a guy that I think at his ownership, you just have to really be excited about. And then Kenny Galladay, we saw him come back. He had a fine, not crazy explosive game, but I think as we get basically more and more practices logged for Kenny Galladay, he's going to be better and better and return to last year's form where he was one of the true alpha downfield stretchers where he could just go up and beat defenders on 50, 50 balls multiple times in a game. And I do think this game environment, in new Orleans versus Detroit is a little interesting because the options in it are so clear. I love Alvin Kamara. I love Michael Thomas who himself, I don't know what capacity we see him at, but man, 90% of Michael Thomas is still quite freaking good. So I think that's another game that I'm not sure if I'm going full on stacking. I kind of have my stack solidified as of right now. I could very much see a secondary stack, just Kenny Galladay versus Alvin Kamara. I think that is a great secondary stack. You don't have to commit to dusty old Drew Brees, but you still get a lot of points on the board, potentially. I like that call. I like that call avoiding Drew Brees. What I'm particularly interested in is Keenan Allen. We talked about those charges at length, so I won't labor their offensive points already. But Keenan Allen, of course, with the insertion of Justin Herbert, has seen an absolutely ridiculous target year. He's up at 34.5% of the targets. Mike Williams is banged up. Right now, Keenan Allen's sub 4% ownership. So just going to point that out. As far as fades, you know, we can't play everybody. We absolutely cannot play everybody. I think there's a number of players in expensive spots. There's also some cheap players. I kind of want to fade this week. And one in particular that I'm seeing a decent amount of ownership on is these Rams receivers. And the Rams, both of them, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, are coming in around 10%, a little bit more than that on FanDuel. There, Robert Woods is 6,700 on that platform. Cooper Cup is 7,200. My main worry here is not that the Rams are going to score points. They're implied for 30. That's phenomenal. My worry is that the New York Giants are not going to be able to keep this competitive. And we've seen the blueprint for the Los Angeles Rams when they have a lead. They are going to run the ball near the highest rate in the entire league. How many targets can Robert Woods and Cooper Cup actually receive in that sort of game environment unless they break a long touchdown i have a hard time believing that they are two players you are going to be comfortable getting into your lineups what do you think about the rams guys anyone else you're looking to potentially fade among wide receivers yeah i actually thought that that was you know when i when i log on to check our ownership projection in the morning i thought that was maybe one of the more surprising things i saw is that the rams are like going to be one of the more popular plays as as the receivers go but like you said it in like a neutral script we know they just want to run the ball they want to run it a lot but that doesn't have, technically it helps robert woods in like two carries a game for the most part it doesn't help their receivers that they want to score a lot of points on the ground specifically and i really don't see the giants making this an exciting game worth stacking if anything i think daryl henderson is an awesome pivot i believe we have him under five percent ownership whereas we have both of his receivers over ten percent ownership He's the perfect pivot. We saw last week, they're not afraid to give him the rock. He got 20 carries to Malcolm Brown, seven. He's very affordable this week on, on a slate that maybe you want to get up some of the more expensive guys like your, you know, Amari Coopers or Tyler Lockett's, whatever makes you happy. I am not in any scenario getting excited to play Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Like, are, are people stacking the Rams? I just don't get it. This is a, a bit of a strange spot for me that people are so excited about those guys, but then not excited about Daryl Henderson. So honestly, I think he makes a great pivot 
over Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. For me, looking up more, it's not necessarily that I'm I'm fading Will Fuller because I like Will Fuller a lot. I just think that the ownership combined on him and Deshaun Watson, who is one of our two most popular quarterbacks, I believe, on the slate. If you're playing Will Fuller, you really should be double stacking with Brandon Cooks, who's coming in at a fraction of the ownership. We've got him well under 10%. I think the double stack is going to be much less popular. I'm guessing the Will Fuller ownership is highly correlated to that Deshaun Watson ownership. I'm not sure how many people are double stacking specifically in this spot where both these guys, I believe, have 16 or so targets on the year, and they both have fairly deep ADOTs. I think that's the way you have to approach the game, not necessarily fade Will Fuller, but only play him in a specific way that other people aren't going to be doing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You don't necessarily have to fully fade these guys. Sometimes your roster construction can get you unique. And I mean, we've been talking about ownership. We've been talking about looking at the Osmo ownership for the entire show. It's a really, really important tool. And lucky enough for you guys, back you know, back to some more showdown content. If you are playing the showdown contest tonight, maybe you don't know some of these players. Maybe you just want to see where the field is going to be. The Osmo showdown ownership projections are free for tonight's slate. Not only tonight's slate, but right now, today, October 1st, you can check out the Osmo ownership projections for the entire slate free today, along with the MLB lineup builder, along with PGA player rankings from Alex Osmo Baker himself. Not only that, but right now on Osmo, we have a phenomenal deal for you, a $5 NBA weekly pass with the promo code Orlando. That is Orlando like the city, Orlando. Get a $5 Osmo plus weekly NBA pass for the NBA finals when you use promo code Orlando at checkout. That's $10 off the original price. This gives you access to Osmo's leading NBA DFS player projections, ownership projections, and more for every showdown and single game slate of the inaugural NBA bubble finals. This offer is valid through Sunday, October 4th. Make sure to check that out as we get some of the biggest games in all of basketball season right now, along with those ownership projections and all of the free content over at Osmo.com. A lot going on today specifically and a lot that will help you building your lineups. Now, I, I think we've touched on receiver fairly in depth. Let's take a look at a tight end position. One, again, a little bit flatter than normal, but we're still seeing a lot of ownership concentrated on two specific plays and they're expensive. One Darren Waller makes a lot of sense. We don't need to talk much about, you know, target share for Darren Waller. We can talk about matchup stuff if you like. And Travis Kelsey, I think the main conversation with Waller and Kelsey is not if they're good plays, they're going to be good plays based on volume. Of course, is there anyone else you're looking to target instead of those guys? Or is this chalk we just have to eat? Yeah, I don't feel you have to eat this chalk. I think you can make a Tyreek Hill pivot over Travis Kelsey. We saw last year, there are a handful of guys that actually stole a decent amount of volume from Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro being one of them. Foster Rose, another guy who had a bunch of red zone touchdowns. Like, I don't think Darren Waller is a perfect play. I don't think there is a perfect play. The NFL is random enough that a guy at 20% ownership can absolutely fail. He's a good play, but in tournaments, I'm probably getting off of him and pivoting to Renfro. And the same with probably Kelsey to Hill or even Watkins. I think any of the receivers are fine, although McCole Hardman's resurgence, I'm a little bit scared that that might affect Watkins. I think, and like you said, it's very it's very strange. We have two very popular plays, and then it is extremely flat. From the 1% to 6% range, it's I ballparking like 15 guys, not counting them on my hands. I think you can play a handful of the guys with fair confidence in here. One that I know you've talked about, I don't even, uh, like, it was funny. We talked about at the beginning of the season, TJ Hawkinson. He was putting up numbers, but it wasn't necessarily on a ton of volume. He was efficient, but we knew that when Kenny Galladay came back, uh, TJ Hawkinson, probably not the best play. His matchup versus New Orleans, you've dug into this, so I'll let you go off a little more. New Orleans might be a spot where TJ Hawkinson actually has a good chance to take advantage of a very specific matchup quirk with New Orleans. 
Yeah, New Orleans has allowed a touchdown in every single game they've played so far, and they've allowed two 100-yard performances already. I, you know, coming into the year, looking at New Orleans secondary, it, it seems very strong. We know about Marshawn Lattimore. We know about Janoris Jenkins, and they have a promising. They run what what is called, you know, like a big nickel where they put a safety in the slot. It's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. and doing a lot of that instead of running a traditional three corners. Makes sense because P.J. Williams has been horrific. Now, that has allowed them to get eaten up by tight ends for whatever reason. It's a three-game sample, so it's not anything, you know, I want to just load up on T.J. Hawkinson with, but – this is starting to become a trend over the course of three weeks when they're just allowing this much production to the tight end position. More importantly with TJ Hawkinson, I thought he was going to see a large route share with Kenny Galladay out. He didn't. He was around 60%. Kenny Galladay, Galladay comes back and suddenly TJ Hawkinson's up above 80% of Detroit's routes. I don't know what happened there, but if TJ Hawkinson is going to be on the field for, you know, 80% of the routes for Detroit, I certainly want pieces of, of TJ Hawkinson there. As far as other low-owned tight ends, I mean, you mentioned it. It is fairly flat outside of those two players in Kelsey and Darren Waller. There, We touched on the, the Chargers matchup a lot, so I won't go into why. Like Hunter Henry, outside of his target volume, has been very steady, and Mike Williams is injured. But someone else who I think is pretty sneaky on FanDuel specifically is Rob Gronkowski. We touched yeah. on the Tampa Bay situation, perhaps – the injuries to Chris Godwin and to Scotty Miller throw Justin Watson on the field, Tyler Johnson on the field. They've already been running a lot of 12 personnel. It is possible. They just bring Gronk out there. They bring OJ Howard out there and they become more of a 12 personnel team. And these two guys are on the field a ton. So Gronk's 4,200 on FanDuel. That's extremely cheap. Any merit to the Gronkowski play? I guess you could consider OJ Howard in the same vein. Yeah, I was, I was surprised seeing that uh, Gronkowski, not, you know, you don't have to pay for a ton for him. We saw last week, I think he was like the target leader on the team because they were without Chris Godwin and Mike Evans catches two touchdowns, but it was on his only two catches. So Gronkowski, I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm thinking, oh man, tight end's getting pretty thin here, Ryan. You know, we've got Ryan Izzo at 1%. Uh, Ian Thomas might get some run from people. And I'm like, wow, I, I thought I thought we had more good tight end options. And then Gronkowski pops up at under 1% ownership. I am I am as true of an ageist as it comes to in fantasy football. I don't I think T.Y. Hilton might be dust, AJ Green might be out of it. But if Gronkowski is going to take the field for almost every single snap because they don't have wide receiver depth to, to make any of their choices in a game that we're targeting, I think it absolutely makes sense to go to Gronkowski under 1% ownership. There are so many guys projected ahead of him and priced ahead of him that I would take him over. His ownership to me just makes it such an obvious play. I don't love Gronk, but I love getting contrarian pivots like this. Agreed. There's about 150 of you guys in the chat. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. It is the best way to support us over at Osmo and Kyle and myself. To bring you behind the curtain a little bit, Kyle and I don't like these dusty old players. Last week, Kyle and I played a lot of A.J. Green. We played a lot of Deshaun Jackson, and the both of us might have lost some money on it. But that's neither here nor there. As far as some other low-owned pivots, you know, you know what? I actually think we touched on this a lot. As far as the tight end position, with there being so many players in this sort of flat range, who are you looking at to fade? Yeah, I, I'm fading Waller. I'd honestly, if I'm eating chalk, oh. I, I'd probably rather go Kelsey if I'm playing if I'm playing chalk. I just don't I don't think that I love, you know, the the specific Waller versus Buffalo matchup as much as I like the the leverage pivot I get with Hunter Renfro. I think for me, I guess the way I would describe it is I feel better about Hunter Renfro over Darren Waller than I do about Tyreek Hill over Travis Kelsey. 
I just think Travis Kelsey's ceiling in terms of touchdowns, which is especially what we're seeking on FanDuel, is obviously, I'm not being contrarian by saying this, is so much higher than Darren Waller. I do not, I cannot envision a scenario in which we get a multi-touchdown game from Darren Waller. Sure, it can happen, but I think the odds of it are so low. That's within Travis Kelsey's range of outcomes every week. And although he faces a good New England defense, defense doesn't matter to Patrick Holmes. We saw that versus Baltimore. If I'm taking chalk, and I really think there's only two plays that you can say, like, be contrarian and fade. It's Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. If you make me pick one, I'm rostering Kelsey. I'm leaving Waller on the cutting floor. Are, are you on the other side of this? If we're saying basically there's two guys that are going to be popular outside of that, you've already done a good job getting off the chalk. Yeah, it, I mean, ownership is really flat at tight end. I'm not sure how much you're gaining fading these guys, but if I had to yeah. pick between fading Waller and Kelsey, I'd certainly prefer Kelsey. The guy I had on my fade list, I mean, a really bold fade here, it's Tyler Higby, and he's projected to be 4.8% owned. So, I mean, it's not like we're fading some of the highest owned plays on the entire slate, but just to speak on Higby a little bit, he's basically been a, a part-time player in this Los Angeles offense. I know he had the amazing run at the tail end of last year, but last week he ran a route on just 40% of Jared Goff dropbacks. That is not going to cut it. And then we factor in game script. Again, this Rams team is is playing what's left at the New York Giants, and they're nearly two touchdown favorites. I'm not anticipating a large workload for, for Tyler Higby in this upcoming week. But as we close out the show, as we always do, we got to give you our bold calls of the week. So we've touched on a lot of the chalky spots. Kyle, give me your bold call for week four. Who is going to get it done in the large field tournaments? Maybe a play nobody's on. Well, I, I've talked about Seattle versus uh, versus Miami the whole time. So I guess I will say Devontae Parker leads that game in scoring and a Ryan Fitzpatrick, not a Russell Wilson stack, wins all of the tournaments. I like it a lot. That is certainly going to be contrarian. I had a pretty gross position here. Debating whether I should say this or not, but whatever, we're going to we're going to do this. So. It's the Chicago Bears-Indianapolis Colts game. We've only touched on this from Jonathan Taylor's perspective. When we look at the Colts team, I think we might be overrating a little bit how good this Colts defense is. It's not every week you get to face off against the Jaguars, the Minnesota Vikings, and then you get to face the Jets in your three first games of the year. Now, I don't think the Bears are any electric offense. I do think the insertion of Nick Foles into this offense will benefit them. I think there's clear stacking options and the main one being Allen Robinson, who has a 27.4% target share. And we saw Nick Foles target him just incessantly 14 targets for Allen Robinson in their previous game. If we're just talking pure sneaky shootout potential, this game doesn't have a high total, but if you're thinking that the Colts defense might be a bit overrated and you're looking for an offense that has a super, super concentrated target share, Allen Robinson is someone I want to consider on FanDuel. He is 7K flat. And now if you don't want to get real crazy with the Nick full stack, I think Allen Robinson is a fantastic play just on his own. But that'll do it for us today. Of course, make sure you check out our podcast network. You can find all these videos here. Kyle, you have a show later today. I'll let you talk about that for a second. Live before lock. Plug it. Yeah, I'm with, I am with, uh, I'll be with Osmo. I assume, I guess I haven't checked the schedule. We're always on live before lock on Thursday. So I assume he'll be there. Uh, it, I actually, I, I was digging into this showdown slate and I'm actually kind of excited because although it is probably the grossest football game we've seen of the year, I think that gives a massive edge to players who are actually understanding how the grossness of it correlates to different plays 
in showdown. So I think despite the fact that it is one of the the worst football games, I actually think it'll be one of the most plus EV showdown slates to play. So I'm super excited to talk about that and turn this disgusting game into some cash. Yeah, listen, guys, if you don't know all these plays, there is a plethora of free content on Osmo right now. Again, for showdown specifically, we have ownership free today. And then, of course, our Osmo Express Pass, all-time low for price. That is going to get you access to all of the showdown stuff, everything you could possibly want. So make sure you check that out tonight. Great game ahead of us between the Broncos and the Jets. But, of course, I am Matt Kajeski on Twitter, at Matt underscore Kajeski. He is Kyle on Twitter, at Kyle Tweets here. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. Good luck this weekend, and we will catch you next time. Have a good one.